The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today we welcome Smokin' Ed Curry, who is the founder, president, mad scientist, and chef of the Pucker Butt Pepper Company in South Carolina. And just recently, in November of 2013, the Guinness Book of World Records named Ed's Carolina Reaper Pepper the hottest pepper on record. And to give you some perspective, that's 300 times hotter than a jalapeno. Welcome to the show today, Ed. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. It's an honor. Okay, so tell us about the California Reaper. I can't imagine a pepper 300 times hotter than a jalapeno. How do you make a pepper like that? Well, Smokin' Ed's Carolina Reaper is a, a crossbreed between a very sweet habanero that uh people are not not really well aware of and uh naga that was sent to me from pakistan and uh mm. I, I i bred it out about 11 years ago now we've been studying it for the last eight and uh what came out was a gift from god it is absolutely amazing pepper did you get it right did you did you create the hottest pepper on your first try or how many years oh. did this take months i don't understand i don't know oh. anything about peppers I've been I've been crossbreeding plants for a long time since back in the early '80s. Uh, every year, the year that this this cross came out, I did uh, about 140 different crossbreeds, of which maybe 20 of them worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, it's a it's it's not a you just cross peppers and and you get a new breed. It's a it takes a lot of work, a lot of science. It's about eight, eight generations to stabilize a plant is the norm. Mm-hmm. So that can take, depending on your the availability of labs and uh, greenhouses and stuff, that could take up to eight years, you know, anywhere from four to eight years to get that done. Okay. So when they call you a mad scientist, you really are uh, a mad scientist, and, and you, you ha- there's a lot of, of uh, plant science behind everything that you do. You just don't go out there and, and cross a couple of peppers, and one day you walk out, take a bite, and go, man, this is hot. Let's see if we set a record. You don't do – that's not how it works. No, not really. No, there's a whole <laughs> lot of science behind this. And there, yeah, the science isn't just related to the, the plants. It's also the uh, – we're, we're doing a lot of study research for uh, uh, health benefits. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So I have to ask you, though, as you were – crossing these peppers was it your goal to create the hottest pepper though no it it was never my goal to create the hottest pepper what i was trying to do was raise the uh the levels of the subcapsinoids there's a a really seven capsinoids in in pepper hot peppers that are prevalent everybody knows about capsaicin it was the other ones that i was trying to raise up it just Mm -hmm. just so happened that we stumbled upon the equation that helps raise all the capsinoids up and really gets the peppers hotter so how did how do you measure the hotness of a pepper how does that work it's measured by the scoville heat unit scale Mm -hmm. and uh what we do is we uh 
There's a machine called an HPLC that's available in most chemistry labs. Uh, we partnered up with Winthrop University uh, and uh, got actually weaved a great tapestry with that. If we had time for that story, I'd tell you. But we partnered up with a, uh, a chemistry lab at Winthrop University and a couple others, and they have HPLC. What we do is freeze-dry the peppers for approximately 96 hours, and we emulsify them in a, uh, essentially what's 100% ethyl alcohol and pump it through this machine, and it'll give you a graph and we have the equation from the AOAC and from ASTA that we can plug the numbers from the graph in that will give us Scoville heat units. Okay. So, and that, Go ahead. That's a really quick explanation of what goes on. All right. And, and I think most people are probably familiar with that term, the Scoville heat scale. You hear a lot about it. In fact, some of the pepper sauces that you can get in the grocery store even, they'll have the, the little thermometer on it or the little meter on it that says how hot they are. Now, how do you eat something like this? I actually saw a video clip of you eating this, and you were munching it as if it was no big deal, and you said that you're, you were, it was going to be about a 20-minute ride. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you, how does someone eat these plain? Are you just used to it, or can the average person eat one of these at that measure well, of hotness? Well, usually, usually when the average person eat ones, their body rejects the pepper immediately. Mm. Uh, it's not, it's not a very pleasant experience. I these are not, uh, these, these are not normal peppers. These are weapons-grade peppers. Uh, I, I eat anywhere between five and ten of them a day right now. Oh my gosh, the the ones the the, the yeah. Carolina Reaper. You eat five of those a day. Yep. Oh uh, my so gosh. So it's really more 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 along the lines of training to be able to keep on talking and eating them and things. It still hurts like it hurts like all <laughs> get out. I can't, I can't. There's nothing you can do to stop the physiological from happening. You, you know the. Uh, the sweating or the mucus running out of your nose or saliva or, you know, any of that, that all is going to happen no matter what. All it is is I'm used to it so I can talk. But it still hurts like bejesus, and and, uh, and there's really nothing you can do. You, it gets hotter for about 20 minutes, and then it starts to calm down. So there's nothing that you can't hurt your body, though, by eating these? You don't actually burn your throat or your tongue? No. Or- Oh, that's really? that's those are all uh, they're myths that are out there. Uh, you really there's nothing that that will actually hurt you from the pepper. It's a it's a chemical reaction that's happening on your on your tongue that is causing the sensation of heat. Uh, peppers actually cure stomach ailments. They don't cause them. There's there's a whole lot of missed missed uh, representation as far as peppers go. In, in our community and in our media, uh, really, what are, what you know, are, the most painful thing that's going to happen is if you get it on your hands yes. and you, you you touch something high or low, you're you're going to be burning for a little <laughs> while. But that does not cause any permanent damage. Okay, so for the average person like me who actually has a pretty high tolerance for hot food, although. At that level, I, I heard you say on this video that I saw, I heard you say that it actually starts off with kind of a sweet taste at that degree yeah. of hotness. And by the way, is that the right term? The de- did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. At yeah, that, you said it right. Okay. At that degree of hotness, how can you even tell if there's a flavor to it? Because you actually said it starts off sweet. Well, you know, ever, it all it's just all how the uh, – 
the the flavors get to your taste. You know, it's what what hits first, and the, the sweetness is what your your tongue will your taste buds will pick up before anything else. Uh, Everybody who's tried the pepper that uh, that I've seen or in person or on video has mentioned that very first thing. Wow, this is sweet, and it's the simple sugars from the habanero that are that mm-hmm. are uh, that have been bred into the other pepper that are that are dominant. Now uh, that that sensation of sweet literally lasts a microsecond. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, then the it heat, gets you. Yeah, then the heat comes on. Don't you know? It's not like oh, this is sweet, Daisy in the Meadow stuff, mm-hmm. and you get hot. It's like wow, that's sweet. Oh no, what did I just do? You know? Yeah, since the average person really can't tolerate these and probably has no desire to work up to your five pepper a day habit, you're producing these. What are you yeah. use? What do you use them for? Do you make them into sauces well, we, or uh, yeah. jellies? What What do you do with them so people, the average person, can enjoy them? What we do is we make uh, hot sauces and mustards and jellies and relishes and salsas and stuff with it. We, we, we blend them down quite a bit so the average person can actually enjoy them. And what, like, we have a storefront here in Fort Mill, and we have a, a store up at the 7th Street Market in Charlotte, and people are tasting this pepper every day. They're just tasting it in minute quantities. Right, right. So, you know what, Ed, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to find out how you got started in the pepper growing business and and more about the business side of this. We'll be back. You want real results. You want your efforts to count for something. And you don't have time to waste. We understand. That's why the Executive MBA program at Benedictine College is the program more than 400 alums say help them accelerate their careers and enhance their approach to management and leadership. You're ready immediately to contribute to your organization's success. We invite you to check out benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program and what it has to offer. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media, and we're talking here with Smokin' Ed Curry, who is the founder of the Puckerbutt Pepper Company in South Carolina, and he was telling us about his Guinness Book Award-winning Carolina Reaper Pepper. It's the hottest pepper on record, and he eats five of these things a day. Don't ask me why, but he does. And right now, what I really want to find out, though, Ed, is how you got started in the pepper growing business. Well, you know, when I went to uh, college as a, as a very young adult, I really wanted to uh, uh, go to medical school and learn how to cure cancer or heart disease because my family has a history of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to die. I had no idea that, uh, well, it never really occurred to me that the lifestyle I was leading might lead to the cancer and heart disease. Sure. But uh, I, I did some research uh, with what, what was available back then and uh Essentially, uh, the indigenous populations around the equator from the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, Mm -hmm. uh, they really have indices of cancer or heart disease as long as they haven't been westernized. And uh, so I found five common elements between all the different... uh, the different uh, populations and the one common element that I think had something to do with it is they eat hot chilies in every meal. So that's how I got started with uh, hot chilies. I decided that that was the the route that I was going to go for. And so in the very early 80s, I got my very first what what I considered to be a super hot chili plant and uh, started eating peppers. Okay, and you started raising peppers too, but it wasn't a business at this time, was it? 
No, it wasn't really a business at the time. Uh, as the 80s got on, I, I did make some hot sauce and salsa and things. And in the 90s, we, we sold, we, we bottled and sold some products under a different name. But uh, it, it was on and off for two decades until uh, I moved back down here to the Carolinas the last time. And I, uh, I started raising peppers again because uh, I, you know, I wanted to get things going, make a little hot sauce. Uh, as just to keep busy as a side hobby. And then I saw a woman who was absolutely amazingly beautiful, but she wouldn't give me the time of day. <laughs> she ignored me, actually, called me a funny little man. Uh, but I did hear her say she wanted to have some fresh salsa, and I was going to be at the same party as she was. So I whipped up a batch of peach mango salsa, and she asked who made it, and we got married like nine months later. <laughs> peach mango. Gets a girl's heart every time. So- yeah, all Linda's PMS, peach mango salsa. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But, but quite literally, she said, we, you should be canning this. And I said, yeah, I used to. And I started the business back up then. That was like uh, 12 years ago. And, uh, yeah, almost 13 now. Wow. And uh, we've been going strong ever since. How many different varieties of peppers do you grow? Uh, this past year, we grew 1,168 different varieties of peppers. Okay. So, you know, I, I told you early on, I'm not uh, a pepper expert. When you say 1,168, do you do a lot of blends? Uh, how how do you – why do yeah, you need about, so many? About, about 300 of those were uh, crossbreeds of my own. There were maybe another 100 crossbreeds from other people that they asked me to help you know help them stabilize and the rest of them are just super hot peppers from around the world that most people are unaware of mm-hmm. that we grow out for research and to use in recipes okay so so you don't use them all necessarily to make your jams and your jellies and your sauces you actually some of these you you do for research and experimentation correct yes all right but, uh, the, major, the majority of those we do use in products or sell mm-hmm. to other people to use in products. Well, let's talk about that part of your business. How do you sell these? Or do you have to be in South Carolina, uh, go into one of your retail stores to buy these, or can you get them over the Internet? How do you sell them? Or do you sell them directly to grocery stores around the country? Well, we're we're just about to get into a whole bunch of grocery stores. I mean, we've been working with them for a couple of years, but with the Guinness stuff, all of a sudden our applications are, are going through quicker. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, God is really good to us with that. Uh, but no, we're available. We we're over the website. Uh, we have a www.puckerbuttpeppercompany.com. Uh, we sell in 78 countries right now. We also. Uh, there's a whole bunch of retailers around the country who've been carrying us, specialty shops like uh, in Cincinnati, Jungle Gyms, uh, uh, ooh, I don't Reed's Markets, Young's Markets. They're they're just scattered all over the country. Just as people have tried our products, they've kept them. Uh, we've got a bunch of them down in Dallas. I just I mm-hmm. couldn't even tell you from last year's S Fest that they they loved us. But uh, we'll be available in uh, regular grocery stores this year and, like, the the specialty food chains, too. Okay. You know, it strikes me a lot of entrepreneurs get started, uh, their businesses get started around a passion that they have, whether it's Mm -hmm. 
roasting coffee, whether it's, you know, whatever it happens to be. And yours was obviously born out of a need or a desire to find out how you could stop some of the the cancer and some of the heart problems in your family. And then you developed this passion for peppers that led you to a business. When you started growing these a couple of decades ago, you didn't know anything about distribution and you didn't know any of the subtleties of business. How did you... What did you turn to to learn the business side of this for our entrepreneurs who are listening that are maybe in the same situation? What I did was I asked for help from people who already had existing businesses that were successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really, when I started originally, the Internet wasn't there, so I had to go out and actually shake hands, you know, and and talk to people. And I found that even though you can get uh, the information you need via the Internet right now, you get a whole lot more information and a whole a whole lot you get a whole lot farther with your process if you actually reach out and talk to someone in person or or god forbid show up and and uh shake their hand and ask them for help you know, you that- know for example i didn't realize how 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 much you had to do in the state and with the uh fda and mm-hmm. the usda for uh selling a food product right so I, I, I first I went to the revenue office, then I went to the South Carolina Department of Agriculture, and I, I literally went to everyone's office and talked to someone, and they they walked me through the process. It made it very easy, and you know that's what I when other people reach out to me and ask me how did how can I get this done, I give them that exact same direction because unless you understand it from start to to finish and you really know what's going on, you're going to miss one of the I's or T's. And that will put you back three to six months. I made mistakes that, you know, the first, uh, oh, about six years ago, I, I, I didn't fill out one piece of paperwork correctly. And it literally set me back about six months. Oh, and that can happen. And so many entrepreneurs just don't even know what they don't know. And yeah. especially when you're in the kind, as you pointed out, the kind of industry you're in, the food industry, and it's so regulated. And and you can make so many mistakes it can just cause you to end up closing your doors. But another uh, important point that you made, actually two of them, is a lot of times entrepreneurs are afraid to ask for help. They think they should have all the answers and that it's weak, shows a weakness to say, I don't know something. But you you have to ask, and most people are very, very willing to help. And so that that is a great point that yeah. you made. And And the other piece of that is that, Getting out there and meeting people and shaking the hand, too many times, especially in this day and age, people are content to look up answers on the Internet or to uh, email and and even the telephone, but there's nothing that can replace getting out there and getting face-to-face over a table, spreading papers out and or talking about ideas. It's, it's just invaluable. Yeah, I literally... Because of what I've done, you know, actually asking for help, I have CEOs of uh, companies that are billion-dollar companies who come in here and sit down with me and, and review what I do with me every every week or two, and they they give me advice and they they you know a lot of times it doesn't it doesn't really apply because they're used to a much grander scale than I am, but we will eventually be at that grand scale. I listen to those men and women and I I allow them to mentor me. Because coming from a point of humility is not weakness, it's a strength. You have to be humble in order to learn. Right. You know, and 
people are really afraid to ask for help. You know, they they like you said, they think they should know everything. No, the internet doesn't answer all the questions. Right. And, you know, you might not be at that level yet, but it certainly gives you something to aspire to and it helps yep. you to know you're not going into that next stage blind. You you know what to expect as you grow and as you expand and ramp up. So, you know, the other part of your business that I want to spend a few minutes talking about is that it's all natural. You're committed yep. to all natural farming. Talk to us about that and that commitment. Oh, well, you know, uh one of the things that I think we're doing the most of is just poison our, poisoning ourselves with our food sources right now. So a, a long time ago, I committed to everything I grew. I was not going to use pesticides. I was not going to use uh, any of the chemicals, agents that people use to uh, enhance their growing. And uh, pretty much all we do is... is I, I use a model that uh, you know is biblical, essentially, if you go back and look at crop rotations in the Middle East, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, uh, you just got to plant and account for 40% of your crop going away. Uh, I use ladybugs and lacewings and praying mantis for my uh, my pest control in my greenhouses and warehouses, you know. Mm-hmm. People want to be greedy and make the most money they can off of the, as little as work as possible. But if you do the right work for the right reason, you'll make more money than you ever could dream of. You know? Well, and I was going to ask you, does this yeah. put you at a disadvantage? And obviously, with the right planning in the long run, you, as you say, you make more money. Yeah, no, you make more money with the planning in the long run because you don't have to go through all the cycles that other people have to go through trying to take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the land will replenish itself. Uh, allowing allowing the things that we call pests to actually, you know, allowing God's world to do what God's world is supposed to do, uh, actually lets the soil rejuvenate, lets the plant growth happen the right way. Let's, you, you know, mother, people will say you got to let mother, you know, don't mess around with mother nature or whatever that quote is. Right. Really, you shouldn't, you know. And and there's room out there for everybody. We The only thing that we ever do that is even close to being uh Bad is I put up old tin pies. If I see, like, uh, pie tins at restaurants, I ask them to keep them, and we'll string them up along, along the plant so if the deer come through it, it'll scare them a little bit. That's about, that's about as harsh as we get as far as the environment is concerned. How do you get, you know? a, how do you get around with an all-natural product like that? How do you get around shelf life issues? Uh, we use vinegar. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Vinegar. vinegar. Hey, vinegar is the best shelf life, you know, chef, best preservative there is. Right. My, my acidity on my products is low enough that, that we can we can turn around and stay on the shelf for a while. Where do you see yourself going from here, Ed? Do you think that you're going to keep trying to work towards a hotter and hotter pepper? Yeah, we'll keep on releasing hotter ones uh, as the years go on. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we're going to be, uh, you know, get, We'll always have our hot sauce business going. I mean, this is my passion. I love making these products. But we're going to, we're going to be delving out into other other realms with peppers, you know, and, and trying to get more people to get involved with uh, healthy eating and healthy living. One more time, your website. Where can people find your products? 
Uh, www.puckerpeppercompany.com. Okay, Ed. Well, we're going to be watching for that next pepper to come out and for you to get the the next Guinness Book of World Records uh, rating there. I understand you're going to a conference in Dallas, so we're going to let you go and have have a great conference, and, and we'll stay up on what you're doing, okay? Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity. I thank you for your time. Our pleasure. And if you would like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.